Listening to Prime by Cortex, a show where we sit down to discuss all things Cortex with voices from around the community. I'm your host, Kirby, and today I'm joined by Mark, aka Necrophage, on Discord. How's it going, Mark? Not too bad. Today, uh, Mark and I are specifically going to be talking about uh, Cortex and strictly like the digital space with virtual tabletops, which you may hear us refer to as VTTs or by their product name uh, throughout the rest of this episode. They're an excellent tool for gaming and it's a slowly growing market where we have Roll20, which is I think one of the longer ones, if not the longest one that's managed to stay around after all these years. But there's also a lot of other VTTs out there, which we are going to be talking about Foundry VTT specifically more in depth. But before we do, uh, let's hear a little bit more about you mark in your own words uh tell us a little bit about yourself how long and when did you get your start in tabletop role-playing games um oh man heck when i was 11 and i'm trying to figure out how old i am now 20 years playing Mm -hmm. running about 15 years uh, through various types of role-playing games Uh, i've done everything from D&D to a Shadowrun to obviously Cortex to Fate to <laughs> Savage Worlds. Uh, I generally started sticking more and more uh, past decade to generic, quote unquote, tabletop role playing games. Uh, but yeah, quite a while. So that's quite a library of games. Uh, I have <laughs> played a lot of those. Shadowrun in particular, I want to like. It's a lot of death to me, but you know. Cortex can sometimes get that way too. Uh, and then some of the other games, like lighter games, can surprise you with that too. Now, with that said, when you eventually got to Cortex, uh, were you like a classic Cortex player? Did you get in much later? Much later. Actually, uh, the I think it was the week that the game handbook was being released. I've heard of it before. And because uh, for the longest amount of time, for many years, I was trying to create my own system, you know, to kind of match what I want out of a game uh, many, many years. Uh, so I was bouncing b- back and forth between games. Like I was sticking on S- Savage Worlds for such a long time. Mm-hmm. The two systems are similar in as far as the dice to a degree. Uh, they both use D4 to D12. And I do tend to like Gritty a little bit more, but nothing against Savage Worlds, but it wasn't quite matching what i wanted there's a few too many quote-unquote gimmicks in the game for me and my table uh, especially dealing with playing cards and we were just wanted more to focus on the narrative and this is the thing i think cortex does so well it makes the narrative the focus and uses mechanics uh to enhance that i always feel like a lot of games the narrative enhances the mechanics even though it's not intended to but it just generally happens to be that way so I was starting to do all these things, and I read Cortex, and I was like, every checkbox that I was looking for was getting checked off. Yeah, so uh, not too long. Uh, what, has it been two years now, a year and a half since that was out? Yeah, uh, yeah, two years. You know, you, you talked about trying to design your own thing, and let me tell you, at least for me, trying to design my own thing like gets rough because I'll get through like a few hours of work and then be like, yeah, you This is great, but you know, I can get this set up in like half an hour in Cortex and get a table that way, right? 
yeah, and Cortex has a lot of ways that you can, I don't know, bend things that are like, it, it's funny in the, I remember once I was like, oh, I have this house rule that I do for Cortex. And they're like, it's not a house rule, it's just a mod. You just made your own mod. It's funny because it's, you know, it's kind of true. It's a, uh, I don't know, a homebrew mod. I don't know <laughs> the best way to yeah. put it. Because Cortex isn't really based around like the, the squares like on a table or whatever but you can mm. very easily just slap that on you know like if you need it for an, any given reason it's most games it's actually kind of unnecessary but uh, in a game where you it, it might even just be in a moment that it matters and you need to plot it out it's super easy you just say that uh, you can move six squares and you know, uh this thing go, shoots about this many squares or whatever and, and it, you're done uh it's super easy yeah, when you want to get into the nitty-gritty about movement and stuff, sure, you could still make it and slap it on. I think, to be fair, though, it's like every now and then I'll uh, peep in the Discord. I'm not as active on the Cortex Discord as I used to be, but I'll peep in there and uh, probably like once a month, um, and it's usually a new face that's in there, is like asking questions or trying to homebrew a way to have like that tactical grit. It's interesting, right? Because like with the main philosophy of Cortex, if you can call it that, and with how the games have been designed so far, like you're right, you don't need it. But, you know, there's clearly a desire there, whether it's like out of the need for familiarity because this person's trying to introduce it to like, I don't know, D&D players or uh, simply because like it just hits different like in, and i get that because i um you know i get my itch from like pathfinder uh as much as i enjoy narrative driven games i still go back to pathfinder for those like tactical nitty-gritty bits so with that said i guess uh so it's clear that you're at a minimum homebrewing some uh some rules and you know you and i are about to talk about your work in the like vtt space but are you working on anything for the creator studio at all or even just for your own stuff like uh what, what kind of gaming are you doing specifically with cortex nowadays i am just personally very patiently uh just like many of us for the cortex uh studio there is a game that i have been working on that i've been running actually for my friends uh it's called source spawn I might put it into Cortex Studio at some point. It, it, it's growing enough to where there's enough lore and whatnot uh, to be usable mm -hmm. in there. Uh, it's a steampunk gothic horror. And how we play is every player who comes to the table, from the ground up, we create their own monster. Whether they can, You can create a uh, jackal and hide or a vampire. or I have a player uh, that created a wendigo. Um, and another player created another thing for the game using as part of their distinctions powers and uh, I, I use values i call motivations in the game mm -hmm. to give a little bit more clarity on what in this game they're used for between all of those you really get these nice cool different types of creatures that are folklore horror or gothic horror uh, in nature mm -hmm. all set at the backdrop of a post post apocalyptic um steampunk world it, it seems like a lot of mashing and that's what it is it's a um so it's not exactly post-apocalypse it's after the post-apocalypse apocalypse is now getting better and then now there's steam engines and flying machines and i use the vehicle stuff for this flying machines if they get one or try to do one so i was trying to push for something to wear because like i 
I constantly, similar like you said with Paffer, I constantly like, uh, I'm in a sci-fi mood. I'm in a fantasy mood. I'm in a Victorian era mood. You know, like, (laughs) yeah, it's a little bit of each different time period. Like the steampunk kind of gives you that sci-fi. Gothic horror gives you like the older, like fantasy elements. Yeah. So I'm super excited about it. It's working out really well. It's been going on maybe, oh, uh, I think we have, because we use session records and I do believe added together there's probably 20 some odd sessions in there nice so you mentioned uh that you did a lot of savage worlds is this like in part inspired by rippers it is not uh actually mm-hmm. uh, it was brought up to me after the fact there's actually a war game that's similar in tone uh, and it starts with an m and i can't remember it off the top of my head but that was brought up to me afterwards too it was not inspired by those because originally what's funny is originally i was inspired actually more by deadlands because uh, it was originally going to be more in um, the wild west like deadlands is and then i was like oh i'm trying to you know give it my own feel and i ended up just making rippers (laughs) (laughs) i mean there's nothing wrong with that i mean that's that's hitting a lot of like notes for me right now like you're 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 talking about it right now and i'm over here trying to find where my wallet is because like (laughs) i'm down for this yeah hit me up with that uh but that's awesome though I guess with all that said, like, so you have this developing setting, uh, which, you know, may or may not be in the creator studio future. And even if it's not like that does like already set you apart from a lot of my other guests here, where a lot of my other guests uh, either have or will be uh, working creator studio stuff. You're coming at this from a different angle, however, uh, which is virtual tabletop role playing. I think before we talk about your work in general, for all the folks uh, who, even with the ongoing pandemic right now, just like a lot of people still won't or haven't touched uh, online gaming. So I, I figured you and I would just cover like the basics of what online gaming is. So I've mentioned Rule 20 earlier. I mentioned Foundry earlier. But even like brand naming aside, what would you say constitutes a virtual tabletop? There's a lot of degrees of virtual tabletop too, uh, but I think VTT is a great name, virtual tabletop. It's basically a way to play any tabletop role-playing game in a virtual space. Just usually, uh, I mean, again, it's not even required, but usually there is a play area screen for you to put tokens and things down if needed, Uh, but some of them don't even have that. Uh, They're not necessarily required. It's it's a dedicated program for playing your tabletop role-playing game online. It's more or less how I would define it. You could argue that uh, you know some of the tools that you might find in Discord, like some of the bots that were created, like Cortex Pale for playing Cortex in Discord, is quote-unquote virtual tabletop as well. It would just obviously... Discord wasn't built specifically for that. So that's where I would probably make the distinction. But yeah, so that's that's the best way to, I would think, to describe it. Each virtual tabletop will come with different features, some far more than others. And uh, they usually have dice rolling. And if you really want to get nitty and gritty with the game table space, you can do things that you can't do in person. A good example is like uh, lighting, line of sight, that kind of stuff for the more miniature oriented games. You can you can do Fog of War, which, you know, to kind of call myself out, like <laughs> I, I only like 95% of my gaming since 
I've been gaming since 2004 has been online, right? And when I have done in-person games, I they, they were typically games where you just, you didn't need minis, you didn't need a map, right? And so here I am, like, starting an in-person, like, uh, Pathfinder 2nd Edition game, and I'm just getting into maps, I'm just getting into minis, and I, I had to ask, like, some uh, quote-unquote veterans of, of tabletop gaming, right? It's like, how how would I do Fog of War if I wanted that, right? And just kind of, it, it's kind of silly, but, you know, in, in person, I guess uh, some people will just like build the dungeon as you go. Other people use like construction paper to just cover it up. Uh, and so that's that's like as fascinating to me as I'm sure someone who's just been doing it in, in person is fascinated with how to set all this, uh, all these features that you're talking about, which, you know, isn't required, but like as embellishment to your game in, in the virtual tabletop space. Yes, exactly. And also for rebuttal there, you probably should ask a war gamer because uh, they got the more <laughs> the more detailed rules on the uh, fog of war and all that kind of stuff depending mm. on the game. But yeah, the uh, yeah, I, it's actually funny hearing that because uh, like it's you get so used to some of the fancier tools. I guess you could do that's more of a virtual space than real reality space because I did find that too. After using the virtual space for a long long time, you go to the in person space and you're like well how do i <laughs> how do i get them what they're used to like they're they're yeah. like, uh like the line of sight is like in the lighting is some mm. of the best parts of uh virtual tabletop uh yeah. obviously outside of ambience uh those kind of really cool tools are not necessarily super required for most cortex games right mm. They're more useful for like the dungeon crawl or where you need to know exactly where everybody is. It's for the, the simulation fight games uh, versus a story-oriented game. But it still can be useful to have a token here and a token there and not necessarily saying this is exact distance. It's just to give you an idea of who's next to who. Thinking back on it right now, I feel like I should have mentioned this at like the top of the episode. And <laughs> just in case we had listeners who, you know, were are, are still pretty adamant about not doing virtual tabletop. But, you know, it's great bookkeeping for one. And it's because of that great bookkeeping and all these features why there's like you'll see pictures or how to videos on like hybridizing that like feel like people are putting screens in their tables so that they can allow for virtual tabletopping while still being there in person and just have that mix, right? Because it has so many useful features and it's just great for bookkeeping. Absolutely. I've actually seen, uh, I went to some guy's house and they had table. Uh, it was like one of the bigger virtual tables. Mm -hmm. It's like a, a tablet, but the size of a table, right? And you would just move things around on there. It's really, really, really is as a TV screen. Um, <laughs> flat on mm -hmm. its back. It's super nice and super useful to do once you get used to it and, and whatever. I mean, we're moving into a higher technological age and not to take away at all from actual regular play because regular play, like at the table, there, nothing beats being in person, being with friends, eating you know food and having drinks with your friends. And mm -hmm. I still can't take away that experience, right? That, that's not a, uh, I still prefer in-person games for that reason. I've gotten so used to playing online now that it doesn't feel too much of a difference. I think there's just this barrier of like, oh, I got to worry about audio settings and <laughs> like, yeah, um, yeah, uh, all that kind of stuff. 
Yeah. So there's clearly a lot of benefits, a lot of embellishments that you have with virtual tabletop spaces, which I guess to kind of like circle back around, like in summary, I think the bare basic bones of a VTT, whether it's formally one or informally one like Discord, is that it's just a shared space where you're doing some bookkeeping and everything else is just kind of extra, right? And what I mean by that is like, you know, a, a lot of the, like I already mentioned it a little bit, but a lot of these other game systems don't require maps or anything, uh, but you'll see a lot of VTTs that are designed for that because yeah, I mean, they're, they're catering for like D&D or Pathfinder or those types of games and then if it happens to be able to support your game system they'll have extras too right like roll 20 and foundry both support like a crap ton of games and so you can log into those and not necessarily use the maps for anything a lot of people just build like a fancy like splash screen or like if you're doing like a mystery game maybe they'll have a instead of having a tactical map because you don't need it for cortex they maybe have like a board that players can just draw on and take notes etc there's the challenges of getting over that technological hurdle with your group or even just for yourself you gotta learn how like how the vtt handles and controls um even just starting with the basics which is why i suggest just keep your first vtt experience short and simple and just work from there like you don't need to use a lot of these like uh tools or embellishments uh that we mentioned you know on my part uh simultaneously teaching someone a new role-playing game but then also trying to teach them how to use their VTT and maybe help them troubleshoot it because maybe their mic's not working or whatever is like a headache. Uh, so I, I get it. Um, I think it's worth it, though, in the long run. Um, but I, th there are definitely some unique challenges to VTTs uh, that you wouldn't get in person. Absolutely. Now, with that said, uh, let's, let, let's actually drill down um, into... Uh, a specific VTT that we're going to talk about today, which is going to be a focus on Foundry VTT. I know on my part, uh, I have only slowly started adopting it. Uh, I mentioned that I have Pathfinder 2nd Edition games going on. Pathfinder as a community has really embraced Foundry, uh, but it's not just a VTT for Pathfinder or for D&D. If you look up Foundry, you'll see that they have dozens of uh, systems already programmed in Foundry. And uh, what's cool about that is that it's just a little shopping list because not only are you shopping for, for the game system, but you can also like, uh, just like you're shopping for mods in Cortex, you can also shop for mods in Foundry uh, that like, gives you animated dice or gives you cool effects or even just automate some of the like finicky stuff uh, for your system of choice. On your part, you yourself uh, are the reason why Cortex uh, has a spot on Foundry VTT right now, because what uh, users may notice is that there, there's a lot of game systems that were done up by uh, for Foundry by fans. Um, I, th I think a lot of uh, companies are uh, slowly adopting Foundry and slowly like officially working on it. And then some are just kind of leaning back. It's like, yeah, go for it. Go, please make this thing work for us on Foundry. And on your part, uh, you're not officially doing this for fandom, correct? Correct. Yep. What is the scope? What does the user expect to see when they download your Cortex system on Foundry? Generally speaking, uh, from a player's perspective, because that's the easier place to start, what they generally should expect going in is um, 
all the basic tools that come with Foundry. Uh, there is a, a field there, you know, that I could put tokens and all that basic stuff. But for Cortex, uh, there is a character sheet they'll gain access to that was tailored to that specific game by the GM. The GM uh, has, outside of the game that you're playing, especially before, there is a settings section that I created that uh, is an interface inside of the Foundry space where the Game Master can create the character sheet. It's a character sheet builder, which can also be played from. You just click on the trait and it adds it to a pool and you build your pool. You can even add dice from other people's sheets and put it to your pool. And it does the whole Cortex uh, effect die, all that kind of stuff for the rolling Mm -hmm. as well. That's essentially what it is uh it's the whole character sheet side as well as handling the rolling side doesn't interfere with the game board i didn't feel the need to do anything fancy or hook into the game board at all since Mm -hmm. game board's great as it is how foundry handles it and um useful more especially in cortex games for ambiance or or atmosphere on top of it uh, the gm might uh, create different sheets Uh, multiple sheets for his game, uh, some for players and some for his GMCs, whatever. I think that's probably, to summarize, the best way to describe it is it's a character sheet builder, but also from a player's perspective and as during game time, it's also the character sheet you would play from. Hmm. So I I guess to ask outright, well, actually, so I had two things. One, to walk this back a a tiny bit, since we're talking about player versus uh, GM perspective, uh, for those who haven't tried Foundry uh, yet, uh, one, you you can just go to the Foundry website and they have like a um, test server that I think it's just open to everybody. So you'll hop in there and it's for free. And I think you'll also just see a bunch of other people playing around with it. Or at least that was the case when uh, I first checked out Foundry like 18, 20 months ago. It should be noted that Foundry is free for the players and then for game masters uh, or whomever is running uh, the server, I guess it doesn't have to be a game master. It is a $50 uh, fee for a single license, and it's just a one-time payment. Uh, And with that license, you can run the server, which you can use your own computer to run the server. Uh, I think system requirements has like you need to have an okay like uh, upload internet speed, otherwise your players will know some lag. Uh, or you can like set it up like third party. You can go with like uh, Amazon Cloud Store or uh, AWS Amazon, uh, or uh, they have an official partner which is the Forge, uh, which is like two or three bucks, which would ultimately be just as cheap as running an Amazon instance. Uh, to to run the server on and then uh, the second thing i want to touch on so you mentioned it was a character uh sheet builder it's effectively what your cortex build is and that has the effect dice etc i guess point of clarity and i i might have missed this when when a gm creates a sheet are they effectively recreating uh, the sheet every t- every time they do the like right click add sheet or, or whatever it is on foundry so once you install uh cortex prime on foundry so when you create a new world you, you would be like hey i want a new world which is basically a new instance of of any game you choose what system you want that game to be in so you would cortex and then once you start that world for the first time you'll get a little pop-up that tells you where to go to start creating your character sheets for this game and that's a little pop-up i created to whenever a new game starts that you just say okay you follow the instructions which is just a few steps you go to uh links that you click to inside the game uh so you go to like settings my settings and then there's sheet settings from in there you design the different types of character sheets that you want for your game 
the easiest one, obviously, is the character uh, for like the player characters. So there's a section there. You're like, I want to edit the player character sheet. And then from there, you can just add trait sets. There's a bunch of checkboxes for different settings for the that specific trait set, things like that. So you would do it once when you first created the game. You can keep messing with it as time goes on. You don't have to do it all at once and hope that it's all good. But you do it all when you first open it up. And then you close it and it's saved. And then whenever you create a new character, it just uses those settings. So when you create a character, the first time you open it, you'll ask what sheet you want it to be based off of. Because uh, the GM can create multiple sheets because you might have a different sheet for like a catalyst. It might be designed differently mm-hmm. than a player character sheet. So you could design a catalyst sheet and a player character sheet. And a major GMC sheet might have different trait sets, you know, etc. So you can design all of those. First time you open it, there will be a drop down where you choose which one it's it is: uh, player, character, catalyst, major GMC, etc. But from game to game, like for instance, my game, my source spawn game, um, I have how the sheets are all set up and designed. Uh, say I want to create a new game for a new group that utilizes the exact same build. There is a section in the back where you can export your settings. And then from any new Cortex games that you are creating, uh, you could just import those settings and you don't have to redesign them all or set them all up again. So you can have multiple games based off the same settings or whatever. So I'm, I'm trying to imagine it right now. I think I've seen this before for other uh, game systems. The difference is with the other game systems is already like pre-configured like by wh- whomever like set up the uh, game system for Foundry, right? So you go into like Pathfinder. Um, there, there's a drop down there too, uh, which, you know, players probably won't notice that. Uh, which is fine, but the GM or yeah, the GM can go in, hit the drop down, and then suddenly ha- they have a sheet that's specifically for NPCs. Uh, and what you're saying is a GM can just uh, log in here on the front end, right, right through their Foundry server, and just create it without doing any of the like coding in the background, uh, which sounds awesome. That was the big uh, limitation. Cortex is a very different beast than something like Pathfinder, where Pathfinder has defined character sheets. What's great, too, is you can change it during the middle of play, and there is a button on each person's sheet that says Update Settings. So say the GM changes something about how a sheet works, he could tell his players hit the Update Settings button on their character sheet, and it will refresh it and update it to reflect those changes. There's limitations on that, obviously, but for the parts that matter, it, that should work out just fine. This might be like a, a just me question, right? Uh, but I'll, I'll ask it here now. Uh, so when I make my very shoddy, definitely low-tech Excel sheets for Cortex, right? Probably the most advanced thing I'll do for those Excel sheets is to have like a GM screen, uh, which ultimately anyone can view. Uh, but I'll have the GM screen specifically so I can collate all the player like complications or stress in just one thing without having to go back and forth uh, on different character sheets or in my case, different tabs on the Excel sheet um, and vice versa. If my NPCs uh, have complications or stress that the players could be rolling against them. Uh, that's also available for reference on their character sheet. Would I be able to set something up uh, with this current build on Foundry? Unfortunately, not at this time. It is actually something uh, I have in my to-do list. Uh, it is certainly going to be possible at some point. So that's one of the limitations there. And it's a common, very common uh, request. Uh, so it, it, it will be coming. You can add again someone's die from their sheet to your pool it is a goal to have a central spot 
So this is actually a perfect uh, example where some of this limitation comes in and why it isn't out yet. Trait sets, for instance, are not defined right by default. You define them, like the GM defines them by just saying, I want a new trait set, call the whole trait set this and with these X amount of traits, right? But there, you might have trait sets where also the player can add traits to it themselves in their own character sheet. A good example is specialties, right? Uh, the GM's not going to define all the specialties. The player's going to go into his character sheet and just add you know, specialties as they get them. To have a spot where it's like, hey, um, I want stress to show up here, like all, all character stress. Foundry system itself doesn't know what trait set is defined as stress. Because the GM is, it, you know, could create it a different way than another GM, you know, like go in there and just call it instead of stress to call it something else or whatever. But it's a, uh, so there's that limitation. So the general idea might be uh, create a box, like you, like a GM could have a box and they're like, I want uh, all people's stuff from this trait set to appear here or something. So there's a lot of work and thought that has to go into it simply because of how generic and modular it has to be. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. But yeah, the, it, it is a difficult uh, thing there, especially when you got to come into the mindset, like at least in uh, Pathfinder and Savage Worlds, uh, there's a more or less a set character sheet. So you can say the AC is a, is a thing in Pathfinder, right? Where in Cortex, like one trait set may or may not exist. Like the, for the coding standpoint, you don't know just imagine you know nothing about any of the trait sets, right? So because the GM is just going to create them there. Uh, so what you would have to do is have the GM set that logic up, right? And not encoding, but you would have an interface that says, when they do this, have this do this. So it's in a way like pseudocode that you would have to kind of build in the background, stuff like that. There's uh, weird limitations just simply uh, based on the fact that it is modular, but, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know, that's the like... I mean, that's ultimately the thing everyone thinks of when they think about Cortex ha Cortex Prime properly having a sheet on any of these VTTs is the fact that it's so modular. And, you know, I had to explain this uh, to my players, like, uh, you know, I was set setting up for my Elder Scrolls games and uh, they kept asking, like, where, where their character sheet uh, was. And I was like, oh, I'm still kind of setting it up. And it was like, oh, do, do they just not have, like, a form fillable or anything? It's like, no, I, I we, we have a unique build going on. I have to just set up myself. But with with foundry which sounds like it's going to be way less of a headache uh than me on excel especially since like on google sheets i spend way too much time just picking out the font for stuff uh but on foundry it sounds like you're trying to make it a more uh, approachable um interface to where people don't need to go back in uh and actually just do the coding themselves which um i guess for the record for anyone who's like looking to get into coding, whether they want to do their own spin of Cortex or another game system, or maybe make a Foundry module uh, that vibes with your uh, Cortex build. What experience would a person need uh, to get into that? Oh, yeah. So Foundry itself is all built in JavaScript, everything, even the background stuff uh, uses something called Node.js. Everything you need to know is basically JavaScript, 
HTML, CSS, which is basic web development. No other fancy languages you have to learn. However, it is a little on the advanced side, the JavaScript side, for utilizing some things. But it is very open and very malleable. They give you a lot of leeway and capability in there. Like, obviously, I was able to build Cortex in this. And I've tried World 20 and a few others, and they're a little more difficult. <laughs> so Really? Like, I, I didn't think World 20 was easy. I didn't think World 20 would be harder. Not that it's harder to code, it's more restrictive on what you can do. Oh, it has like some internal limitations. It's not limitations uh, mm. due to the technology they're using, it's limitations on what they allow the programmer to interface with. I see. Like, I could not build Cortex the way it's built for Foundry into Roll20. I can't. I initially was trying to do it for uh, Roll20, and that's how I ended up with Foundry. Like, Rule 20 has some nice sheets. Like, I'm impressed with the uh, City of Mist sheets that they have on Rule 20. I'm impressed with the uh, Blaze in the Dark sheets. But yeah, I've always found uh, Rule 20 as just a normal user uh, kind of restricting. So I, I guess I'm not too surprised to hear that. But, you know, on, on the flip side here with Foundry, I guess to uh, talk about a little bit more uh, for people who haven't used it, I touched on this earlier in the interview, but you can make modules. And basically, these are things that are, they're, they're sometimes, or actually, they're very often kind of like system agnostic. Like you'll have a module that can download that gives you nice dice. I think that's literally what the modules call is nice dice that has just like these nice 3D animated dice. And then you'll have uh, modules that uh, someone's made that's not necessarily like the same person who programmed the game system that you're using, which is Savage Worlds or Cortex, um, that just takes what's already there and just kind of adds on to it. So like a, a hypothetical module would be, I, I don't know, a better Doom module. Uh, I'm not going to be the one naming these modules, but... Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so maybe maybe you don't like how Mark here has like set up Doom pools uh, in the current build. So you just make a module that kind of hooks onto that, uh, that anyone can just uh, download alongside your Cortex build. Or exactly a good example is the uh, what you brought up earlier. Like uh, uh, maybe a, I'm not good at naming these things either, so I'm going to be just as terrible. Uh, group assets module. <laughs> like, uh, trademark TM TM TM. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so you could technically build something that's like, hey, I would like to see all my assets together, uh, and if you don't want to wait for my uh, a lazy self, um, you can. <laughs> <laughs> you can go in and uh, try to interact and build with that. And obviously don't feel like you're stepping on anyone's toes. I mean, it's, this is the life of Foundry. This is what Foundry's whole community is built on is like uh, modules and stuff like that. In fact, yeah, built the Foundry one, uh, the Cor Foundry one, the Cortex one to actually play a little extra nice with the Daiso nice uh, module that you were talking about. Mm. It interacts directly with it. And there's even a little uh, fun thing with the plot point. Uh, so when you spend a plot point, you actually see a metal P plot point uh, using the symbol uh, falling onto the ground. So yeah, there's some extra things I did to try to interact with. Because it's probably perhaps the most popular <laughs> module for Foundry. Yeah. Do you have a list uh, right now or that you will do of modules that you would recommend to enhance Cortex on Foundry? Uh, unfortunately, I don't because I I only use the Dice So Nice one. Um, 
I just I mean, fair. It's nice. <laughs> yeah, I haven't looked into the other ones, but there are so many good ones that I've heard of. I've played quite a few Cortex games that's in Foundry. Uh, they're using my Foundry system. They use all kinds of fancy ones, and I kept asking, like, how, how do you? Which one is this? <laughs> they, yeah. they, just, there's like some that just makes the interface look different, um, or you know, look more modern or more rustic or whatever. There's a lot of nice ones out there. And I, I just say what's great about Foundry is like you can, when you get the license, you can install a local application that you run your game from. Uh, again, you can do it on a server too, but on the local version, just set up a new game and just throw a bunch of modules at it and just see what you like and what you don't like. Just experiment. One that I did hear about, I, I don't remember the name of it. So unfortunately, this isn't going to be much help. <laughs> but uh, there's one for like the, action-based or the, the you know the different types of initiatives like uh, i mean like there's different types of initiatives in cortex right so the action-based one the just like doing one based off a die roll now that part would be a little bit more difficult like but that's a good module idea right doing something based off of like if someone wants to create it and they don't want to wait for me um <laughs> <laughs> they're like, hey, I want to build a module that bases the die roll off a specific trait where the GM could choose what trait it's based off of, right? So uh, they can go in and do that. Unfortunately, for Cortex itself, it might be a little bit more involved to set these kind of modules up for another game just because of how loosely designed, or not de de designed, but loosely defined things are, simply because of the nature of Cortex. But good news is that because of Foundry and how Foundry is built and what they allow us to do, I can't think of a Cortex game you can't play in Foundry with the Cortex system due to how Foundry allowed the capability of making things as malleable as I could. I'm sure if there's some weird off-the-cuff, I don't want to say weird because that sounds negative, but some off-the-cuff homebrewed mod that you may have designed yourself. Oh, so you've been reading my stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you might have a, you might have to do something to reconcile that uh into there but there's a lot of things are not predefined like for instance uh let's say uh stress uh, and here's a perfect example so when you go into the character sheet builder there isn't a stress section right you don't say i want stress in my game instead what you do is you're like you create a trait set but you call that trait set stress or trauma right and then you create what the traits are uh, so let's say uh, physical, mental, social, and then you allow there to be sub-traits to those traits So uh, if you want to. So you might have a trait set called stress, and then that has a physical, mental, and social. Or let's say you want stress and trauma, you might call that trait set stress and trauma, and the different traits are physical, mental, social, and then each of those has a sub-trait called stress and trauma. Like you could just go in there and like, oh, I want a new trait set that represents this. So there's a lot of... Um, you're given a lot of tools, right? And then you just basically can approach it in various ways. So one person's game that you might play in that's using the Cortex Prime game in Foundry might do something differently than how you would do it when you, if you were to build the character sheet, right? Uh, even if you're trying to do the same thing. So you both wanted to do physical, mental, social stress. You might have designed it in one area where another person designed it, uh, approaching it a different way. But they still, in the end, you can add that stress die to your pool. Which is really cool. And I think if you're looking to emulate what another person's doing in their Foundry game, if I recall correctly, I think you can just 
uh, a given person can just export a uh, character sheet on Foundry, and then you can just put it put it into your own Foundry uh, server, right? Correct. Yeah. Yep. So, like, say you built a game for your Elder Scrolls game, and say one of your players is like, "Dude, I love your game. I want to run it too." You just want to switch GMs, right? But he's going to host uh, that game. What what they do is like you just you just export it, which is just something called a JSON file, and you send it to them, and they import it into the Cortex uh, section inside the Foundry, and then um, and then now they have all the same settings that you created. But then now they can tweak it. Say they're like, uh, "I don't I don't like how uh, Kirby does this." thing so i'm gonna change i hear that pretty often yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah awesome yeah if foundry's super interesting in that like i think it's it's just like more community oriented from one the design but two also from what i've seen they have a very active community i've had a brief like the briefest run-ins with a couple of the foundry like actual like foundry employee people uh and they seem super chill and yeah, it's just this, in a way, it's like, it's kind of just perfect for Cortex. It's like the Cortex of VTTs, really, when you think about it, with how, uh, as you said, like malleable it is, and with all the community like related stuff, like sharing between games or working on modules, like that just enhances what you were doing, Mark. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good product, which is obviously why we're having a whole episode about it. Uh, with that said, I don't think we've talked about yet but if people wanted to set up a cortex game in foundry right now they could right it's been out for a few months yes uh time is a blur uh so i don't remember exactly when it was released but it's been around for a while there are a a few active people in discord that uh that use it and uh help each other out and whatever uh related to it but yeah it's been out for a while like uh, when you go into foundry there's a uh, section where you can install any game system like D uh, pathfinder or whatever uh, mm-hmm. you find cortex prime in there it will say basically cortex prime unofficial and uh yeah you can uh just install it from there fantastic and it would be super cool of uh fandom if if you're listening uh because you know fandom has uh currently the tales of zadia character generator they can do right now i believe they're still working on a like more general one it would be super cool if you know if you can go onto their website uh export that into a json file they can then just bring it to uh your foundry game if that's what you're using but we'll we'll see we'll see <laughs> we'll we'll get we'll get people in the comments we'll get the people in the discord channel today no context <laughs> and uh we'll we'll we'll, just, we'll see if we can make that happen but yeah despite uh i think to bring it home right uh, Foundry is a virtual tabletop that you know has a one-time fee, and really only one person just needs to pay it, and then hosts the server from there. It doesn't help that this is a non-visual medium, uh, but all the stuff that uh, Mark and I talked about today in terms of just getting Cortex to the table is pretty straightforward. You download the application. You then specifically look for the game system because you download that separately, uh, Cortex, and then you're in. And from there, you can just play around with it. And then from a player perspective, you don't have to pay for it. You just you just sign on to uh, the link that your game master, your game moderator will give to you. And it sounds like your game moderator will give you access to sheets. Like Foundry 
has a lot of like permission based stuff that the game moderator can set. And so the game moderator can control like what you can see or what you can interact with. Any last tips for uh, embellishing your Cortex experience? Um, I, I think for me, I would recommend even if you're not using uh, a Cortex um, or if you're not using maps, because aside from Mark's mo- uh, mod, there's no grid-based rules, right? I would still recommend having tokens assigned to your character sheets and having those tokens out on the table, the virtual table, as it were. Because another thing is, like, if you accidentally do what I very often do in Roll20 and Foundry, which is accidentally just uh, close all of those character sheets that you can collapse, whether you do it by accident or you do it on purpose because your screen is becoming too full with stuff. Both Roll20 and Foundry lets you double-click a token and it will take you to that character sheet. That's that's probably the one tip I can offer here. Mark, do you have anything you could think of? If you ended up using it in, in a digital uh, way just embrace it even if your cortex game is not a grid-based uh, map game like you said foundry has great uh, lighting and fog of war and that kind of stuff you can put tokens and do all these fancy maps and stuff without a grid like it can be non-grid there and you can still put all these nuanced lighting embrace the atmosphere it really helps the immersion i do it it's not for any rules reasons like i'm not doing your turn you move here but i just start moving their tokens around and kind of get an idea of what could this person see it's more just a general area but i, I say embrace it mess around with it we don't have to go full-blown rules on that, but uh, it's really cool experience, really cool atmosphere. And to just add on that, like, hopefully we didn't give the impression that in order to use Foundry just as a casual user, that you have to be some sort of programming genius that knows 10 languages. For, for all these extra stuff that Mark and I are talking about, the fog of war, the lighting stuff, lighting in Foundry is literally just drawing uh, on the map itself. You're, you're just drawing lines like this line here will t- will tell foundry that oh well this this token's not going to be able to see past this wall or whatever you set up I and mean, there's great like online tutorials in general for that kind of stuff if you're not able to like figure out yourself or uh, having trouble like reading it on the foundry site also don't get intimidated by foundry too as in like uh I, I know a lot of people uh, talk about like uh, with Cortex. They're like uh, they feel um, it, legitimately uh, that Cortex or Foundry is a little overkill because Foundry gives you a lot that you can do with it. So on the flip side, I would say just because it's there doesn't mean you got to use it. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Especially if you're onboarding a whole group, like you mentioned really early on in the interview. Uh, if you're trying trying to onboard someone to Cortex and onboard them to Foundry at the same time, uh, you can focus just on the character sheet. There is a dice roller that's there. It, there's even a part in the chat where you'll see the difference between what was chosen in your total and the effect die. It'll even list what traits you put into the dice. It won't tell you what the result is for each one, but they, it'll tell you what was put in the pool. Uh, which traits were put in, which is super useful, obviously, for the narrative. You know, just those things uh, might be all you need for your game. And you could focus there and then mess with the tools as you go. Yeah, exactly. Just just like you would with just trying to do your first Cortex build, just keep it simple. 
that that same advice applies, I think, to both whether playing Cortex in person, online, uh, writing your own Cortex homebrew, same idea for Foundry, just just keep it simple at first. Um, and I promise you the technological hurdle uh, will be worth it. If you need help, just like there's an amazing Cortex community in the Discord, uh, which coincidentally is where you can find Mark, uh, aka Necrophage, there's also a very robust Foundry uh, Discord as well. One of the things I'm currently working on, and it's going to be a little slow, I'm a busy man with work, uh, which is also programming, uh, I am working on adding themes to the Cortex system in Foundry. You could change your colors and then also preset themes. So you can either go all out and say, I want my traits titles to be this color and this size and this bold, uh, all that kind of stuff. And the background of the sheets to have this image. That's what I'm working on now. But there would also be drop down options presets uh so you, if, if you want something different than the generic uh but you don't want to go take all the time to you know go through the whole customization of the theme yourself the goal is to have like at least maybe six preset themes that you can choose from right on i think that's going to be fun for a lot of people um i think that's been part of the fun for at least a small part of the community it's just putting your own design and spins like there's there's a lot of not just like Cortex builds, but a lot of Cortex builds come with an example character sheet that someone's drummed up and they're always just stunning. Better than my MS Paint work that I do. More options is always good. If you're sitting there uh, looking at what's on Foundry right now and you can't wait on Mark to get this stuff out, like he said, you're more than welcome to make modules. Absolutely love it. Um... And uh, I just want to say that uh, I love everything fandom's doing, and I'm, I'm excited for the, the, the Cortex digital tools, uh, whichever, whatever they come out with that they're working on, where you can input your own games. I'm super excited to see how what they do, because I could just to get an idea of how they did it under the hood, you know, just because I just the curiosity is just brewing from a programming perspective. What are they going to do to make it happen? Because of how modular Cortex is, like, right. just to see like how it related to when I did it for Foundry. I'm, I'm super excited to see all that. So kudos to them, and I know it's not easy. So uh, <laughs> patience is definitely going to be a, a virtue for us all here. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, where can people get in touch with you if they want to talk Foundry, Cortex? Two biggest places are uh, Discord and GitHub. So first, find me in the Cortex Prime Discord. I'm just generally in there. You can always message me in the uh, Cortex Creator channel, or you can find me in the Foundry uh, Discord. There's an other game systems channel uh, where you can message me there, or you can message me directly on Discord. Uh, it shouldn't be hard to find me in there. It's uh, Necrophage, both in, in all areas of Discord. And uh, finally, GitHub. It's uh, Secular12 is the uh, is the GitHub name. Uh, you should be able to also see a link to that in Foundry, my GitHub as well so it just might be easy to just click that but yeah those are the best places to hit me up and um feel free to direct message me on discord for anything even if it's just uh, for praise or feedback or requests uh, more than happy to take them on my part uh, our show notes is going to have all that plus our normal uh socials for uh prime by cortex uh, with that said, uh, thanks for coming on the show, Mark. Uh, hopefully we'll have you on here again soon for uh, something. Um, maybe the next, you know, Cortex Game Jam could be geared toward making weird mods that break your 
Cortex build on Foundry. Uh, we'll we'll have to see. Uh, yeah, we can build a game uh, game in it. That'd be that'd be uh, actually fun. Keep rolling dice, and uh, please let us know if you want to be on the show. If you want to have certain topics covered sooner than later, and we'll see you next time.